0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Louise Fox and Dr. Michael Nicholson. Let me start by introducing Louise, an internationally recognized development economist who specializes in strategies for employment creation, opportunity expansion, economic empowerment, and poverty reduction. She is currently affiliated with the African Growth Initiative at the Brookings Institution, the Blum Center for Developing Economies at the University of California, Berkeley, and ODI, it used to be called the Overseas Development Institute, but now known as ODI. She previously worked at USAID and the World Bank, and her most recent book was Youth Employment in Sub-Saharan Africa, published by the World Bank. I'd also like to welcome Mike Nicholson, a seasoned Foreign Service Officer with over 20 years of professional experience in trade, economic growth, and market development. In 2010, he joined the Foreign Service with USAID, and in 2015, was tenured as a career diplomat by President Barack Obama. He is currently studying Portuguese before a four-year assignment to Maputo, Mozambique, where he will be leading USAID's work on resilience and economic growth. I'm podcasting Louise and Michael today to talk about their new paper entitled, Are Private Equity Investments Financing the SDGs in Sub-Saharan Africa? it was published by Brookings. Using a newly constructed database of private equity transactions from 2016 to 2022, Louise, Michael, and David Kritzberg analyzed private equity investments in enterprises located in sub-Saharan Africa, breaking them by destination, sector, and type of investor to shed light on their contribution to development outcomes. So, Louise and Michael, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Dan. Thank you.
0: So could I ask you both to explain what are the SDGs and what exactly is private equity for our listeners? I know what they are. I know what they both are, but not everybody who's listening is going to know exactly what the SDGs are, and not everybody on this call is going to know exactly what private equity is. So let's just start with the basics. Could one of you take a stab at one, and maybe take the other take a stab at the other?
1: Yeah, I'll explain a little bit what the Sustainable Development Goals, what we call SDGs, are. They're an agreed upon way for the development community, to find ways to push progress forward in measurable ways. And so the United Nations General Assembly adopted this in 2015. There's been coordination across multiple development agencies across multiple countries with the intent to develop an integrated set of outcome targets. And these outcome targets cover economic, environmental, social development for each member nation. And they were adopted in 2015 with the intent to reach these targets by 2030. Great. Okay.
2: And I'll explain about private equity. Private equity is when an investor buys shares in the company, but the shares are not publicly tradable. They're not available on any stock exchange. They're only available to select investors. And it's a form of early stage or startup financing. The investor could be an individual, a venture capitalist, or a private equity firm, which is often an investment bank or just a pure PE firm private equity started in silicon valley as a way to get funding for startups but it has now spread all over the world including to emerging markets and developing countries private equity has specific advantages compared to debt for a young firm first there are no scheduled repayments to make or miss so if profits are uneven or are slow to materialize this is a real benefit for the firm second PE, private equity, usually comes with technical assistance to the firm on how to improve performance and grow the company.
0: Great. Good. So, Michael, why did you and your co-authors take on this research? Well, Dan,
1: the role of the private sector in Africa and in development in Africa has been a source of, of a lot of conversation, a lot of research, and a lot of development programming for some time. And there's understood that there's a massive need for foreign investment into the continent due to a development in the domestic capital markets and a need for some external financing. Well, a lot of the conversation in this space has taken place about debt financing or foreign direct investment, what we call FDI, and very little about private equity, PE. And as we've mentioned, this has become a major source of financing across the world and has really triggered some rapid expansion of markets. In developing countries of Asia and other places. There hasn't been a lot of conversation about private equity in Africa, even though there's been a considerable amount of interest and uh, certainly an increase in this type of investment. So we wanted to look at, and we have transaction level data that we can look at some of the work that's taking place in Africa, some of the opportunities, but also the other big area that motivated us was the role of the SDGs. And when they were announced, it was clear. We're more than halfway through it now. It was clear that there was going to need to be some financing outside of public measures. And, and the World Bank called this a billions to trillions opportunity for all stakeholders to engage, to meet the what we call the financing gap, where a lot of the resources would have to come from the private sector. So what our research does, it addresses this question of how much private equity or what is the manner of private equity in Africa? And to what extent is that private equity addressing the needs of the Sustainable Development Goals.
0: Got it. Okay. Louise, why focus on the SDGs if you are studying private equity?
2: So, thanks, Dan. That's a good question. Ideally, we would want to know whether private equity investment in countries was really contributing to the key economic development outcomes of economic growth, market development, or employment creation. But identifying the causal effect of private equities on these outcomes using economic models is almost impossible because so many other factors determine these outcomes. So we can't isolate the role of a private equity investment in a particular firm in a particular country for these outcomes. So instead, what we focused on was the characteristics of the firms in African countries, specifically what sector they operated in. And then we linked these sectors to the SDG targets. So for example, if there was a private equity investment into a firm that was creating and implementing clean energy investments, or in the tourism sector, or in agriculture, or in the education sector, we could therefore link the investment in the firm, and therefore, ideally, the firm's growth, because an investor wants to see firm growth, to the SDGs. But there were some investments, of course, that we did not link to the SDGs, because, not all sectors contribute to SDG targets. Mining, for example, is a sector that did not contribute to SDG targets because the SDG on economic development specifically targets decent work and employment creation. And not only does the mining sector not employ very many people, it's also very dangerous and not considered decent work. So that's why we have this link to the SDG. So we think it actually generates a lot of interesting findings.
0: So, Michael, in terms of results, what findings surprised you the most? I can give you three. Three results, key results.
1: Each one may be more surprising than the last. The first one is that there's a real concentration in the private equity investment in Africa. And it's these four large countries, these four large economies, Nigeria and West Africa, Kenya and Tanzania and East Africa, and then South Africa, which is in Southern Africa. They constitute about 83% of all the PE investment coming in. And that's a sign. That might not necessarily be surprising, but it's definitely a result that indicates the investment might not be reaching large swaths of the population across the continent and some areas that need it. The second big one, and this would be the above the fold number, is that our research shows that 88% of investments, private equity investments in Africa can be tied to an SDG target, 88%. So that answers, in a big way, the question that has been asked for a while on this space. Will investments lead to development? And they are certainly going into the space that will achieve development outcomes. And then the third one is that we were comparing the differences between public and private investment. And to clarify a little bit, when we talk about public investment and private equity, that's the case where you have these, these international financial institutions, like the IFC from the World Bank. Or the United States now, we have the what's called the Development Finance Corporation, the DFC. And what these organizations do is they use public money to help leverage private sector investment into either new sectors or geographies that they would not be entering otherwise. By drawing down risk, political risk, there's other ways, many ways that we do that. What we found is that the difference between what these public institutions are doing and what the actual pure private play is are negligible. We can't find any systematic differences, any major differences between the two. And that can be interpreted in a couple of ways. One is that the private sector is doing a fantastic job of achieving development outcomes. That's a solid, positive result if you care about development in Africa. The other part, though, is that about the public sector, which is we tend to make the argument for why there should be this public sector investment because we want to crowd in the private investment. But it should also be clearly leading the private sector, it should be taking more risks. And it's sufficiently crowding it in that at some point, if the public sector isn't ahead of the private sector in the space, then you run the real risk, this is an economic term, you might be crowding out of the private sector. So this is something to definitely track, and we're, we're going to extend our work to try and parse this result out.
0: Okay, great. Okay. So, Louise, what can
2: African countries learn from these results? Well, that's also an important question. So thanks, Dan. I think people may not know that actually Asia, Asian countries, South and East Asia, get a much larger share of private equity flows to developing countries. So Africa is really lagging behind. But the positive message from our research is that investors are finding opportunities in Africa. So there's a lot of potential for this type of financing to grow in terms of financing African firms. And remember, African firms need finance from overseas because they're poor countries and there's just not domestic resources available to finance all the investments that they need in order to grow the economy. And so this potential is quite important, but there appears to be some kind of what we call first mover advantage. So maybe the countries, the big four countries that attracted 88% of the investment, the PE firms and the investors found them, came to understand their markets and just kept going in their markets and didn't look very far in other markets. Now, so countries that are lagging, really need to understand how to attract those firms, how to put out the information so that the PE investors will look at their firms and invest in their countries. So two examples, Senegal and Ghana, these are lower middle income countries with diversified economies, as diversified as Kenya or Tanzania or Nigeria, but they lack. So maybe they should ask for donor assistance to help their firms become more attractive to investors. Maybe they should look at their policies and compare them with these other countries and see what's missing to make them attractive to investors. They need to engage with these PE investors to find out what they need. A final interesting point is that the big four are all Anglophone countries. And it is quite Possible because English is the language of finance, that Francophone countries on the African continent are suffering because of the lack of English speakers. And other research has suggested that this may be possible, not focused on PE, but other kinds of investments. And so, this is a message, I think, for education systems that they need to increase opportunities for youth to learn English so that. Young firms created by youth can really attract the investments they need.
0: I love it. So, one of the takeaways is more English language training needed. (laughs) But that's good. That's good. Okay. I wrote a paper on this about how do we maintain English as the global lingua franca at CSIS. So, I'm particularly interested in that topic. That's super interesting. Michael, what can USG entities learn from the results of your work? Well, I've got a couple for you, Dan.
1: And the first one is. The converse of the emphasis on Anglophone countries is that Francophone countries might be a fantastic frontier market that we're kind of missing out on, and we could really make a huge push in Francophone countries in this private sector space. And specifically, thinking about Francophone West Africa, and this research, when it first began, was funded by USAID West Africa. And at the same time that we were starting to implement the Global Fragility Act which is a bipartisan interagency attempt to deal on a 10-year horizon with de- building resilience in different parts of the world, including West Africa. And it's the reason, to, just for folks who don't have this in their mind in the map, these countries that are on the Atlantic Ocean just below the Sahel that are bordering fragile areas. And I'm bringing this up because one of the outcomes of this research has been that the United States USAID has started to do some specific work with private sector entities there to help develop the resilience that's needed in the communities, in the economies, in the political sector, to help develop resilience against some of these threats that are coming down. And if we could also find ways to increase private equity investment, develop the economies there, and the market capitalization in these Francophone countries, that would be a fantastic win-win across the board. That's one space. The other big space, I want to go back to to my last question or my last answer about the public and private spaces where the public sector doesn't seem to be leading the way and is not leading it enough. And the main reason that we want to have public investment into this area is is that we want to be able to increase risk-taking behavior. The public sector should be more risk-leaning than the private sector. We should buy down the risk. And the line that I used Line that I've heard some good mentors of mine use when describing how you should go about your business is that what happens is we hear too often, I'm going to say this about how we conduct, we, the U.S. government conducts our business, is that we talk about how you want to be risk-taking. But in reality, what happens is that you end up giving the perception of taking risks without actually falling through with it. And if there is a takeaway from what's going on in the private equity markets in Africa is that the public sector is not taking enough risk. And that one takeaway from this research is to be get out there and find ways to expand the frontier markets.
0: Fabulous. Okay. Here's my final question for both of you. Historically, there has not been a lot of private equity financing in Africa. What is gonna make that change?
2: I wanna give a little commercial. Stay tuned. Michael, David, and I are doing further research to try to isolate what really matters. What are the characteristics of the countries that allow them to attract more private equity financing? So is it government effectiveness or is is it the functioning of the banking sector or is it control of corruption or what? We hope to find out. So 2024, we should have a few answers to that. But importantly, I think countries themselves need to be more aggressive in attracting this private equity investment in engaging with these private equity firms and put out information that they're open for business and that they're ready to take this financing and that they want this financing for their firms. But a final point is... You need more firms ready for private equity investment, right? It's called private equity because it's a private sale, right? And the when the private equity firm comes in, they say, yes, we'll buy shares in your firm, but we want you to take our advice on how to grow your firm and improve its performance. And that means the firm owners lose some control and they might not want to take that advice, They might think they know best. And there's a particular problem often with family owned firms. They don't want to take the advice of outsiders. They want to employ their family and that's it. And if their family members really aren't good at accounting or human resource or marketing, they don't want to hear from the investor that they need to change. And so that's another issue is how to get firms ready for PE investments. And again, that may be the role for some assistance from donors. Michael, what do you have to add to that? Well,
1: Louise, I'm going to pull something straight from the headlines, which is about how the private. The folks who are listening to this, who follow the private equity market are aware that it's really, I think the word is free-for-all, that there's a lot of it has dried up for a lot of reasons, including political instability around the world. I'm talking about the global market for private equity has fallen by over 50% in the last 18 months. And a major reason for that is interest rates that are rising in the United States and elsewhere. Capital is more expensive. However, the one place in the world where it's rising, where private equity investment is rising over the past year has been in Africa, and it's been up 28% and there's something going on right now that shows that there's remains this enthusiasm even against these headwinds for private equity investment in Africa. Whatever that's doing, let's figure that out and double down on it. And for the private equity investors who are looking to come into Africa, there are opportunities across the continent that are a not fully recognized. But B, this is what we we tend to hear a lot about and this is what we work on is that there's capital sitting on the sidelines looking for deals that are bankable. And the efforts of both to both to develop the capital markets in two different ways, two specific ways. One is to create the space for these investees to be available for this money. And so this is one thing that I think development partners do and domestic countries do using their public support to help develop it for the private sector so that you go in and can feel more comfortable that the deal you're going to do is going to make money for you and it's going to be safe. But the other area, and this is a this is I think unappreciated enough in the discussions about private equity, is that you need to have an exit space. And when we talk about developing capital markets, we tend to focus on developing domestic capital markets that can generate the finances that you can do maybe with domestic banks that can support these investments. But we also need to figure out or improve or understand better ways that if you're gonna do a private equity or VC investment, that you need to find where's your exit gonna be? And I think that's dramatically undeveloped in Africa compared to similar markets around the world.
0: Well, this was great, folks. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I have really enjoyed this. If people want to go read the paper, where can they go find it?
2: You can find it on the Brookings webpage. You can look it under on my Brookings website because I'm a non-resident scholar there. Or if you just Google the title of the paper, Our Private Equity Investments Financing the SDGs in Sub-Saharan Africa, that should give you a link to the paper. Great.
0: Thanks, everybody. So appreciate it. This was great. Thanks, Dan.